0: hey folks welcome to another edition of dog walk talk presented to you by dogs hq as always it's me your host jake roos and with me as always my man pt palmer toms over there still recovering from a braves world series championship palmer what's up brother (laughs)
1: But hey, you know, it's getting cold here. It's November. I see you're wearing the flannel. I got the jacket on. You know, if anyone from on three nationals listening, if anyone wants to sponsor us and and get us some, some warm weather attire, man, some, some on three, you know, swag would be pretty great. Hey, we're not even just accepting on three swag. If you listen to
0: this and you want to send us some winter coats, uh, we are a couple of poppers who will gladly accept them. Uh, Palmer, lot to get into in today's show for sure. Um, Georgia with another matchup coming up this weekend, obviously. Uh, but let's start off with the newest news, I guess, in college football, um, which is the very first playoff ranking came out on uh, Tuesday night. And Georgia, unsurprisingly, number one. I don't think anybody expected anything else other than that. Uh, Some interesting pieces behind them, certainly Alabama at two, Michigan State at three. And then number four, you got Oregon sitting right there, uh, who's quite frankly, I think, just lapping the field uh, out in the Big 12, man. I mean, by the time these other teams get it together out there, Oregon's going to be too far ahead. So Uh, but you know, I think that that's an interesting starting four um, and let's call it what it is. I mean, there's a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of friendliness around all of this. Everybody knows each other. All all four of those head coaches uh, pretty familiar with each other. Mario Cristobal uh, worked at Alabama for a little while. Mel Tucker did as well. Then he worked at Georgia. Kirby Smart was obviously Alabama. Nick Saban's right there. So, it's uh, it's an old boys club up there, and uh, yeah, obviously uh, uh, good news for Georgia, though. They come out, number one, like I said, as expected. Um, I know you got some hot takes on this one. I know you've just been chomping at the bit to bust them out. Uh, your feelings, I guess, on this initial
1: ranking, not too much to say I don't think about Georgia's spot, right? Well, first of all, you stole my fun fact there on on all four of those <laughs> head coaches. Being a part of that 2015 Alabama National Championship team, Obviously, Kirby Nick Saban is the head coach, Kirby Smart is the defensive coordinator, Mel Tucker is the DB's coach, and Mario Cristobal as the uh, offensive line coach. You've also got Lane Kiffin was on that staff as the offensive coordinator. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, my take on the playoffs is, like you said, there's not, there's not much you can say about Georgia at number one. In fact, there's not much that was said about Georgia at number one. Uh, you know, I, I tried to turn my recorder on every time they mentioned uh, the Bulldogs on the college football playoff ranking show. And I think I got maybe a minute of audio there um, in, in the you know, transcript from the uh, from the committee uh, chairman and, and in the afterward uh, teleconference call. Georgia was mentioned twice and both it was both times. It was Georgia's our number one team. You saw that. Georgia clear cut number one, and that was about it. So there's not a ton of conversation about Georgia at number one. I think the fact that they are uh, you know consensus national number one between the AP poll, the coaches poll, and, and now the college football playoff poll, there's nothing that Georgia has done to not be number one. Uh, but the, the the biggest thing about being number one is you've got to stay number one. Uh, You know, when when asked about it last night, Kirby said to us, you know, had us play a little bit of a guessing game. He said, you know, hey, we've had this night seven times before. You know how many of those teams have ended up – how many of those teams that were ranked number one ended up winning it all? Jake, do you know?
0: I don't, actually. I assume it's probably zero, though, if Kirby – We guessed
1: zero. It was one. Was it it Alabama? It was Alabama this (laughs) past Right. Uh, And so, you know, I I think – historically looking at it, the national champion, uh, you know, of the, la- the last five college football playoffs, the national champion has been either ranked one or two in the initial poll. Um, but more often than not, they've come from that two spot. So if you're a Georgia fan, you're looking to break a little bit of history, um, you know, and, and, and the history isn't necessarily on your side. It might be on your side to get there, but it's definitely not on your side to win it. And, and that, you know, Kirby pointed that, that out saying that his team's got to stay focused on, you know, being, you know, each and every week, uh, getting the job done, that they can't be, you know, content with being number one. Um, because, like we said, we saw this from Georgia a couple of years ago. They were the number one team in that first playoff poll in 2017, and they were only there for two weeks, beat South Carolina, but then they go out and, and get beat down by Auburn on the road. Um, I don't necessarily see that happening next week at Tennessee, but you know, I, I think that there is a case to uh, you know to, to what Kirby was saying in that Georgia has to stay focused on being number one. Now, after that, I do think that there's a lot that you can talk about with, you know, two through eight, two through ten. Um, I said it to a couple of my friends last night. I don't think that there are ten teams worthy of being a top ten team. Which sounds like I'm an idiot saying that. Yeah, but I don't. You know, probably just, just,
0: have to discuss that after the show. But, keep going. <laughs> but,
1: just, but just looking at it, and in the fact that you know, looking at what college football is this year. Uh, it's not necessarily down. There's certainly more parity than ever before, which I think fans love. But I don't think that you're seeing a bunch of teams that are, you know, worthy of being in the playoff. Worthy? I mean, not,
0: you're not seeing. I don't think you're seeing the juggernauts that at Alabama and Clemson have been prior. You know, I don't. Ohio State too. Ohio State, sure. I mean, you're not seeing those teams that nobody at this point feels unbeatable. Uh, it's I think that that's kind of been proven. I mean if anybody does it's probably Georgia just given the way their schedules played out, the way that they played people and, and the margins in between those wins um, but I think that yeah, you're looking around and you're saying well Alabama's already lost one you know I, it, it feels like it feels like this is truly you, you hear that old adage every year of uh, you know anybody can beat anybody on any given week. That's probably – this is probably in my seven, eight years covering this. That's probably more true this year than it has been in any of the
1: previous. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, if you go down the line of these rankings, I kind of I paired teams together in categories. You've got Georgia in that category of its own, undefeated, undisputed, number one team in the country right now. But, you know, Jake and I – you know, Jake, we talked about this, uh, you know, a couple nights ago saying that – Georgia really hasn't played a ton of teams. Are they, you know, are they the number one team in the country right now? Absolutely. But would it come as a surprise to us if someone was to come from behind them and beat them? Not at all. Because I think that there are talented teams behind them. Um, you know, that 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 that, that parody is there this year um, where there's not necessarily a 2020 Alabama, a 2019 LSU, sure. a 2018 Clemson type team, one that's just going to blow everyone out of the water. Um, you know, I, I think looking at two, three, um, you know, Alabama at two, Michigan state at three, you could probably make a case that either one of those teams could have been number two and either one could have been number three. Sure. But, and, and, and honestly, to me, number two and number three doesn't matter because if once when it's all said and done, those two teams end up playing each other in the playoffs. They're not getting the home field advantage. They're they're playing each other. I think the only thing that would matter between two and three is what color jersey you wear in the in the bowl game and, yep. and what locker room you're coming out of. Yep. It just yep. doesn't matter. And so, um, you know, who cares if if you think Michigan State should have been the number two team in the country and that Alabama should have been number three? Um I, I totally can understand that. I think Alabama probably has more quality wins, but a, a quality win over a Mississippi State team that is ranked, a quality win over an Ole Miss team that is ranked. Uh, but they also have that loss on their on their resume, a quality loss, albeit, but you're looking at a Michigan state team that doesn't have any losses sure. uh, and you know, it's coming off of, and it's coming fresh off of a top 10 victory and I mean. has a quality win. So yeah. if you wanted to put Michigan state number two and Alabama number three, by all means, I'm fine with that and let those two teams settle it out on the field. But I do think that Alabama and Michigan state are, a, should be, and they are ahead of Oregon, Ohio state and Cincinnati that, that kind of sit in your third group here. You've got Georgia in group one, you've got, Alabama and Michigan State in group two. And then that group three is is kind of that fringe spot of, are you in the playoffs? Are you not? I totally understand Oregon being ahead in, you know, the top team in that third group because they have a marquee win over Ohio State, a head-to-head win over Ohio State, who is, you know, a a team that they're going to be, you know, put up against in some of these, you know, decisions, tough decisions that are going to have to be made down the stretch. Um, You know, their loss is probably – their loss is worse than any of the other teams in that group because Cincinnati doesn't have one and losing to Oregon is, is better than losing to Stanford. Uh, And, and so I can understand where Ohio state fans might be upset that their you know, that their loss is, is, you know, that, that Oregon is kind of getting looked, their loss looked over, but they have that win over Ohio state. And so the head to head really did factor in here. You saw it several times throughout this. Um, with Kentucky and Mississippi State, it was on there. Uh, With Baylor and and Oklahoma State, it was on there. Uh, Several times in these rankings, you saw the head-to-head really come in, and and it it really came into play here with, with Ohio State and Oregon. Cincinnati is the team that I think everyone wants to talk about, but at the same time, I don't know that they have a win that is up to par with Ohio State's. Um and, and certainly not one up to par with Oregon's. I think winning on the road at Notre Dame is is you know great, but Notre Dame hasn't looked to be all that this year. Um, yeah, but you're I, I don't listen. I'm Cincinnati's getting crapped on.
0: All right, that's that's just the that's it. I mean, there's what else are they supposed to do? And also they're continuing to be, be in a different conference, which is what they're going to do, however, however they're, the they're continuing they're continuing this off the back of playing in a New Year's six bowl last year. So I think that and and not a not a blowout loss, mind you, a, a, a loss to a or a, a tight loss to a good Georgia team in which they played well. I think that it's it's like the Boise States of old, you know? I mean, yeah, I think that they probably deserve to be in the conversation. Now Boise state got run a couple times in those situations, but they also won a couple of those games too. And so I think that Cincinnati, I think they deserve more love than they're getting. I I think, I think they should be in the the, the consideration. I think they should be a, a,
1: and and, I will say number six, they're certainly in that consideration. I, I think that they, you know that there is a path for them to be in the playoffs. But if but everything I- if everything holds true,
0: if everything holds out to this point, well, I guess somebody's going to have to suffer a loss in the top four between Georgia and Alabama if they meet up, uh, and if they don't meet up, that means Alabama has suffered a loss to uh, Auburn. So, I uh,
1: I just I, I don't know, man. I'm rooting for the Bearcats. What can I say? Uh, and, and, and I get that. I get that. I get that. Um. I just would you have put them over Oregon or Ohio State? I can understand maybe putting them ahead of Ohio State. Yeah, I would have, have
0: probably, I would have probably put them ahead of and,
1: Ohio State. And that, you know, the marquee win over Notre Dame is probably better than, than Ohio State's marquee win over Penn State. But again, I, that's kind of one where it doesn't really matter. You're both on the outside looking in at five, six. Who really cares? Just like that two, three, it doesn't matter if you're two or three, it doesn't matter if you're five or six here. Right. Um, I think another one that's really interesting is Oklahoma down at eight undefeated in the big 12. Again, they haven't done anything to really, uh, you know, and Kirk Herbstreet said it on the show last night, good for the playoff committee for putting them down at eight. Uh, I probably would have put them at seven ahead of Michigan because Michigan did lose. And granted it was, it was to a top four team in the country. But, uh, on the road too. Um, but you know, Oklahoma hasn't really done anything to be in that top six to be in that final picture. Uh, you know, anyone listening to this show probably knows what we're talking about where they show the four teams in and the two teams out that final picture. I don't think Oklahoma deserves to be in that right now. Albeit they do have opportunities to win themselves in. If they if they win out and that, that would include, three ranked wins, a win over Oklahoma state, a win over Baylor and a win over one of those teams, one of those two teams in all likelihood, Oklahoma state, uh, in, in a rematch of, of their regular season game in the big 12 championship. If, if Oklahoma does that, they probably deserve to be in. Um, there's obviously a lot of football left to be played and not everyone's going to win out and, and things work themselves out for the most part. Um, but it's certainly fun to dis- to discuss this. Um, Jake, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. All right. We were just having this conversation when we were running through the rankings before. Wake Forest at nine. Is there a path for the Demon Deacons into the playoff as an undefeated ACC champion? I freaking I, I
0: freaking hope so.
1: I love the idea of what Wake
0: Forest crashed in the playoff, man. Listen, I'm rooting for Cincinnati cuz I think that they deserve to be there. To me, Wake Forest is the feel-good story of the year when it comes to college football. I root for I I just love Wake Forest. I love I love the Demon Deacon, I love the colors, I love that they're a great academic school, and then you got Dave Clawson over here just doing his thing, man, just biding his time waiting everybody out, letting Mike Norvell trip over his own feet, letting Dabo Swinney, you know, choke it up a little bit this year, and Dave Clawson just waiting in the wings, waiting for the opportunity.
1: And they're and underdogs this weekend at UNC.
0: Hey, look, I whatever, man. I, I, I pray to God that we're getting I, – I want Wake Forest in the playoffs so bad, dude. That's like the kind of stuff – that you see on NCAA football back in the day, you take a program like that and you build it up to the that level, and that's the fun of the game. And kudos to those guys, man. I, it's got to be a great time up there in Winston Salem for sure. Let's so, so
1: so the the path for them in, and and I've my friends have given me a hard time. This. Because I did not – it's utter chaos is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but my, I didn't give anyone – well, some of my friends were saying, oh, there's a path for Wake Forest. There's a path. I was like, there's no path. They drew it out for me. I'll, I'll give them a shout-out because he did it. Will Hooper uh, certainly drew it up. It's got it, – like I said, utter chaos here. It would have Auburn beating Alabama and then Georgia beating Auburn in the SEC Championship game. It would have Ohio State winning out to give Michigan a second loss – and Michigan State, one loss. It would also have Michigan State losing another game likely to Penn State. There's Michigan State, two losses. There's Michigan, two losses. There's Alabama, two losses. And no conference championship appearance for any of those three teams. There's there's Auburn on the outside looking in. You probably need Oregon to lose. Uh, you certainly need Cincinnati to lose. Um, and, and And so it's utter chaos for them to get in. But there is a path.
0: Will Hooper's a sicko, dude. That's that's he <laughs> needs Will Hooper got to come out of the basement sometime, brother. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now, listen, we we've, uh, we've we've talked a lot about the play and like the playoff committee. We we said almost nothing about Georgia because what is there to say? But this is a Georgia show. So let's talk about the Bulldogs a little bit. Not surprising to see them. Number one. With a matchup, another SEC uh, contest this weekend in Athens, the last big marquee game in Athens, if you want to call it a marquee game, the last SEC game of the year. I mean, your only other one is going to be Charleston Southern. So, you know, this is your last major contest of the year in Sanford Stadium. Hard to believe that, that uh, we're nearing the end like that. But um, I think what popped my eyes out of my skull was seeing that 39-point spread on this one, uh, one of the largest spreads I've ever seen in an in interconference play. I mean, that's With that's huge.
1: maybe Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. OK, well, sure. Vanderbilt's its own thing. So but this is I mean, this it's huge. It's ridiculous. That's that's a giant number. Do I well, think and, 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 and this is a Missouri team that struggled to beat Vanderbilt last week. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably a big part of why this is the way it is. I feel Georgia can get there. Um, I think that in order to do so, they're going to probably need to play a little cleaner than they did last week. Um, But I don't know. I mean, 30 is 39 ever a fair spread. Is that, is that, that seems that's,
1: that's a lot for me. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Paul? I'd take the points. I'd take Missouri plus 39. I absolutely think that Georgia is way more talented than this Missouri team. Um, you know, we were running through a couple names and, and there's just not a ton of crossover, uh, between these two teams on the recruiting trail. Obviously we've seen it more recently with Luther burden, but like you said to me earlier, Luther Burden might be the most talented player on this team if he were, you know, yeah, on this.
0: If he walks into that locker room, if he, if he, everything holds to plan and he sticks to this commitment, he may well walk into that locker room. From a uh, ranking perspective, there's no question about that. I mean, he's going to be the top ranked recruit uh, on that roster. Um, they've got some good. I mean, they've got some players. There's some guys on there that I recognize. Enos Rakestraw is probably the guy that I recognize uh, most clearly, um, just because he was one of those kind of late uh, signing period guys who everybody just exploded on and was getting chased from all over. Uh, and it felt like a huge win for Missouri. I, I think that was Drinkwitz's first – like I think that was like the first big kid he landed. So, um, you know, outside of that, I mean, there's some names you might recognize. Georgia fans might recognize Luke Griffin – uh, out of North Murray, Chatsworth High School, uh, home of Lad McConkie. But also you might recognize Lou Griffin's name because he was a one-time Georgia commit. Uh, committed to Sam Pittman during seven-on-seven camps uh, out at UGA one summer. God, that feels like uh, an eon ago. I mean, that was like 16, 17, something like that. Um, I remember him – I remember he got the offer and he committed on the spot and like – Picked Sam Pittman up, as I recall, or, or Kirby Smart, whoever was near him. He, he bear hugged him and picked him up. And uh, I'll never forget Sam Pittman called him my young freak. Now, he suffered a couple of knee injuries. Obviously, they parted ways. He's in Missouri now. But if there's a name you might recognize, it might be his. From a talent perspective, uh, it's like I tell people, you know, and I do this on the show every week, I go through the roster and I go through and find the names that Georgia was involved with simultaneously. Because like I say, every week, Georgia recruits the kids that Alabama recruits, the Clemson recruits that Ohio state recruits. And, and that Florida clearly doesn't recruit. <laughs> Florida would like to recruit them, but, but, but it's not recruiting season yet. Um, so I, you know, I think. Hey,
1: yeah, I gotta like, stir. We gotta stir that pot. That's that's all. Yeah, yeah. From yeah, a, from, uh, a,
0: from a pure talent perspective, it's it's the 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 differential is massive. There's no question about it. Um, there's not much about this team that scares you when you're looking at it on paper. Uh, Beatty, maybe, um, you know, uh, being uh, one of the top rushers in, in the the nation, but that feels almost more out of necessity than anything. Uh, I mean, it feels like. Hey, we got to do something. And so they turned to him and, uh, he's been able to get it done and that's an admirable effort, but, you know, I guess looking into this game and looking ahead to this weekend, since I don't think either of us really feel like there's a lot to talk about about the Missouri team, you know, who are you looking for, uh, from a Georgia perspective, Uh, you know, who are some guys that could use this week, uh, could take a step forward this week. Um, you know, we've had, uh, different leading tacklers for Georgia every week. Um, You know, is there a guy that can kind of step up there? You know, Stetson Bennett, is this a a good chance for redemption? Um, You know, I I guess, what are you looking for out of the dogs this weekend, since it's a little hard to say what we're looking for out of the Tigers?
1: Yeah, one thing I'll note on Missouri before I move to Georgia, they do have a quarterback question. Uh, Connor Basilak, who, if you watched this game last year, he played uh, as a true freshman. I believe he was a true freshman. Might have been a redshirt freshman, but freshman nonetheless. Uh, Basilak, kid that played a lot last year um, and and has started all eight games for Missouri so far. He's dealing with a little bit of a soft tissue injury. um, May or may not be able to go this week. Um, Outside of him, it it is two freshmen for them Tyler Macon, Brady Cook. They've completed uh, combined attempted nine passes this year, completed eight of those. So, Impressive numbers so far, uh, two touchdowns from them combined. But you know, certainly not the experience. Um, the 302 at passing attempts, 206 completions, over 2,000 yards, 13 touchdowns that Basilek has. Uh, not to mention what he did last year um, in his in, in the time that he was on the field. Um, so certainly something to watch there if you're going to pay attention to Missouri. Some uh, and, and like you said, Tyler Beatty, number four rusher in the country. Um, Probably more out of necessity in, yeah, in the yeah. fact that that's where they they don't have the weapons on the outside. Although that it does – I guess
0: that does – I guess that speaks pretty well of their offensive line to some degree
1: that they've been able well, to – And and, he, and Beatty's also involved in the passing game. I, yeah. That's, that's, you know, something that he absolutely utilizes. Um, if you look at Missouri's passing game, they do bring back their leading receiver from last year, Kiki Chisholm. Um, he's got um, – only caught one touchdown pass last year but 35 receptions um you know and i feel
0: like kiki chisholm played in uh poison in the late
1: 80s (laughs) (laughs) that's a a rock star name um but you know like we said not a ton to talk about with missouri here um as far as georgia and and players that i'm watching for the bulldogs uh uh, this week and over the next couple weeks this is a guy that i think people have watched people have paid attention to um you've seen the, all the national stories on him but this is this last stretch is his final push for maybe a chance at a Heisman trophy and that's that's Jordan Davis he he's got to put up some incredible numbers here over down this stretch don't tell um, me don't tell me you're buying the possibility i i mean I know. I'm not. I, yeah. I'm not.
0: I, I, I can't I just can't bring myself to do it. I, I think that he and, deserves. And I, honestly,
1: think, he can't.
0: I think he, he can't. deserves consideration for sure, but I just don't think they're going to do it. I think that they've pretty much made it clear that it's an offensive award. And simultaneously, too, if you look back at Adamic and Sue's numbers. From the defensive tackle spot the year that he made it to New York. Look, if a defender can't win on the back of that, then it's gonna be hard for anybody moving forward. No,
1: I, I completely agree with you there. What I'm saying is I think that if he if he's going to make a push to be in New York, sure, this is how he does it, to receive some of those votes. This is how he does it. And this is certainly an opportunity for him to you know make that push, not only to to be in that Heisman conversation, but to lock up. These defensive player of the year awards, yeah, and and he's got to fight off some tough competition on his own team, and that's Nicobe Dean. Uh, you know th- those two guys are certainly both. They're both semifinalists for the Bednarik Award, uh, and, and you know, Nicobe, a semifinalist for the Buck Kiss Award. Um, you know, on, on the back end of the defense, you've got Lewis seen as a semifinalist for the Thorpe Award. Um, you know, definitely a lot of guys. Uh, that, that are receiving national attention. But I think that if there's one that is going to do something special in these next couple of weeks that can secure himself one of those awards and maybe secure himself a spot in New York, a spot, not the Heisman Trophy, but a spot in that conversation, it would be Jordan Davis.
0: I'm looking to Darion Kendrick. Uh, because I think that not for those reasons, I don't. You know, he's not in the mix for those things. He's not, you know, going to be in New York for a Heisman consideration. But there's some various draft opinions on him. Um, you know, I've seen him going pretty high, and then you see somewhere, you know, it's just not not the case. So. I think that this is a big opportunity for him and Keely Ringo to really kind of cement themselves, you know, more so Darion for the league. And then Keeley, I think, with an opportunity to really, you know, build his momentum for moving into next year. Um, not that we're, you know, far enough along to be thinking about that. But like you said, it's the final stretch and, and you want to be looking ahead. And, you know, he's got a chance, I think. He's played incredibly well this year. He's got a chance, though, to be like one of those alpha dog leaders next year for this this defense. And they're going to they're frankly going to need somebody like that in, in the secondary uh, to pick that up. So I, I look for those secondary guys to take a step forward here. And personally, too, I think over the next couple of games, I think Stetson kind of gets it back in check. I think that these are good opportunities for him to do so. Even looking at Tennessee, which we talked about the other day, a big challenge, you know, from an offensive perspective, they don't scare you much defensively, and so I think that it's a good opportunity for Stetson to get out there and kind of, you know, be able to get some confidence and roll. You know, if if he's going to be the guy, going to continue to be the guy, and you got to think if he's going to be the guy over the course of the next three, four games, then he's probably going to be the guy in the SEC championship. You know he needs the, the he needs to be having the mojo going, the swag going. You know, that performance against Florida did not create that, I don't think, in the minds of Georgia fans or in Stetson Bennett's mind, personally. So, I think that it's a good opportunity for Stetson to get things moving in the right direction ahead of what should be a big challenge for him in the SEC championship. And, like I said, not that I'm looking ahead of Tennessee, I think that they can affect. Uh, I think that they can they can hang with Georgia, but I just think they're going to be able to do that from an offensive perspective, if at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, you could certainly tell it in the tone of his voice after the game. Stetson was frustrated by the way that he played, and I think when you've seen Stetson come out with a chip on his shoulder, it, it's he's put together some pretty impressive performances. Uh, you know, whether it's that UAB game, wanting to remind folks what he's capable of. Uh, you know, so some of these other games. He's played with a chip on his shoulder for the most of his career. Uh, And, and he's for the, you know, for the most part, he's put together pretty good numbers. Um, And and so also a semifinalist for a national award, the O'Brien award. Um, He's among many there, uh, but certainly a chance yeah, these, semi,
0: these semi-final lists always piss me off there's there's
1: there's 45 guys on each one of them i mean it's crazy but i, I do no, think- let me ask you this jake let me ask you this right. uh while we stick on the topic of the quarterback since you know that hasn't been that uh, we barely have discussed that ever on this show right yeah, right nobody in athens talks quarterbacks but um do you see JT Daniels getting in the game this week? I, I was the bold soul that asked uh, Kirby uh, in you know yesterday in the press conference, you know, kind of what goes into the decision making of when to get those starters out and when to get the backups in, and specifically why was it that JT did not get in the game against Florida? Uh, and and he didn't really give, you know, he gave a good answer. It wasn't a great answer. Um, he said that there was really no specific reason why JT didn't get in the game and that a lot of those decisions are made ahead of time, uh, that, you know, they're trying to build depth, that they're trying to understand, Hey, if this guy goes down at left tackle, he's going to move over from right tackle and we need someone at right tackle. So that Kirby and these coaches are making some of these decisions to get guys in the game, uh, because they want to build depth and and, and depth for situations that could potentially arise down the, you know, down the road. But as it relates to JT Daniels, do you see him getting in this game and being able to potentially knock off the rust? And, and if he does so well, is there a quarterback controversy? Well, uh, I
0: think what you said is kind of interesting in that, or Kirby's response is interesting in that you would think if you were going to want to build depth, there might be no position as important as quarterback to to have some depth. And right now it just doesn't feel like Georgia has a lot. Now, if they do and JT is healthy, then yeah, I think he should be being utilized. I mean, I think he should be getting some snaps and like you said, getting that rust knocked off of him. I don't think it's a situation necessarily where if he comes back and, you know, Let's say he comes in maybe third, fourth quarter. If this thing's – dude, if this is a 39 – if this is a, actually a 39-point game, uh, he should be in by probably the half. Um, but I think that I, – I don't know. I don't know if he gets in this week. I, I, th- I think he should personally. But, I, I again, it's it's like we talked about with the health. Is the health where it needs to be? Do you trust him behind a second-team offensive line? Um, you know do you how do you feel I mean don't just risk that, right exactly exactly do you want to re-aggravate something unnecessarily I don't love the idea though of keeping your starter in for the entirety of a game if you have the opportunity to go in a different direction because then you're just asking for the same situation right I mean so I think if he's got the opportunity to play he should play we'll see on Saturday i it's a little too tight for me to call. I just, I, I don't know. And, and if it's prescripted, that makes it even harder for me to predict because I would have thought going into Florida that it would have been prescripted for, you know, two, one in terms of series, something like that. But again, that makes me just think that he's perhaps a little further behind the eight ball health wise than, than we had previously considered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think I'm with you there. Um, We we said that after that Florida game that he might be a little more banged up than, than, than what Kirby is, you know, letting people know. Uh, And and that, you know, I, I I thought he would get in against Florida. I don't know, you know, and, and that's why I asked Kirby because I thought, you know, hey, if he's not going to get in, in a two, three, you know, a three, four score game against the Gators, is he going to get in in a three, four four score game against the Tigers here? I think that makes a little, I don't don't know. And that's where it gets complicated. I'm with you. I really am. I think it makes more sense against Missouri uh, to to do it because there's
0: a lot less to be scared about in Missouri's pass rush than there was in Florida's pass rush. And so if you feel like the offensive line's clicking and playing well, then I feel like, you know, it makes a little bit of sense to do that. Um, But you know, if you don't have to risk it, why not? But at the same time, look, if he's not healthy, like I said, I just don't love the idea of playing your starting quarterback through the entirety of a blowout game. I think that you're asking for trouble when so you do, do
1: you, that. So if if you're hesitant on turning it over to JT, but you don't want to get the starter in the entire time, do you look to Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift? I think that that would be a smart move. I mean, I, I, just, I just, like I said, I think
0: you're inviting something negative when you don't – When you if you if you're up that far and your starting quarterback's still in, you're now you're playing with the potential future, whatever that may be. And if JT's not healthy enough to get in and be that backup guy, then you need to be building that depth anyway. Uh, You need to be figuring out, you know, okay, can can these guys do it when the band's playing? You know, we haven't seen much out of Brock Vandergrift this year. I mean, did he did he get a snap against Alabama UAB? He did. He did. He didn't throw a pass. He he just. Okay. But so, I mean, like, you know, this is when you. And 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 I do feel confident in the fact that we will see some of that in these games because this is typically the time of year when Kirby starts to do that. He starts to turn to these younger guys and get them their reps and get them their opportunities. And that. Well,
1: and especially with the East already clinched, you know that you're going to be right. playing very significant postseason football and you don't want to risk any potential injury. So like you said, this is an opportunity to build some of that depth you know, for the future uh, and and get some of these guys into games, um, you know, whether it's at quarterback or running back. I mean, they don't really have the depth to do it at running back. You're going to see a lot of Dejan Edwards there with Kendall Milton out, um, you know, and and probably some of these walk-on guys. But I I don't like how you talk about Dejan Edwards. It offends me. (laughs) (laughs) I hate Dejan Edwards, don't yeah.
0: you? Yeah, dude. He pissed in your Cheerios or something.
1: Yeah, so, something. something. <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, on down the line, you know, what not just offensively, defensively too, you, even maybe even more so on defense. Yeah. You've got opportunity with how much they rotate anyway. You might have an opportunity to play some of those guys and then keep them in there and let them play a little bit more and let them mess up and let them learn from those mistakes. Um, because Mistakes now aren't going to be as costly as mistakes later in the season. Yep. If if they get asked to play in an SEC championship game, I mean, I think back to that twenty eighteen SEC championship game when when Brenton Cox was asked to step up and and you know with DeAndre Walker going down, Brenton Cox had to be that guy. You know, he, he had gotten reps all throughout the season.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just remembering the the fake the fake punt. <laughs> that was I, I laugh every time I it's worth laughing at it. it's it worth was, laughing. it
1: was it was hilarious yeah so a, a lot to unpack there uh, with with the quarterback <laughs> situation and with the ability to maybe potentially get some of these guys in in, in this game in future games against Charleston Southern maybe tech um, you know certainly opportunities to to play some of these guys that are deeper down on the depth chart
0: well. Speaking of deeper down on the depth chart, we're going to go back to the site and get some writing done uh, about the depth chart and all things else dogs over there at dogs HQ. I think that's it,
1: right? Quick prediction here, Jake. Does Georgia cover 39? Um, I'm going to say yes. Georgia's been, I'm quite gonna good. Say no. Georgia's been quite good
0: against the spread this year. I think only one, right? They've only missed one. And that was just, that was just barely.
1: uh Uh, it's it's one or two it's one or two so i I don't think that they covered against kentucky no that was Uh,
0: the one i was thinking of
1: they also didn't cover against south carolina i'm fairly certain oh wow i think that was a 30 something point spread they won that game 40 to 13
0: yeah i think that uh i i I do think they can get there this week it's a lot of points it's a lot of points. huge it's ridiculous but They've got the offense. They've got the defense, and quite frankly, Missouri has neither. So they've they they're just going to be holding on for dear life. And yeah, I think Kirby. I think Kirby want like I said wants to get the the good feelings back. You know, around Stetson, and uh, you know, around this offensive attack. And and you know, you didn't see much of that last week. So I think that they try to make a big push offensively this week, get some style points. We'll see. All right. Well, that's it. For us over here on Dog Walk Talk, this edition, we'll be back with you on Monday to talk about Georgia's hopeful victory over Missouri. Um, It's always easier when we get to talk about a win. Uh, Fans appreciate that a lot more. But um, hopefully we'll be back on Monday to talk about that. And in the meantime, get over to Dogs HQ. We've got you covered with film reviews, uh, interviews with prospects, all your team news covered as well. Get over, give us a check out. We would appreciate it. And if you're listening to this on Apple, give us a five-star review. How about that? That would be pretty sweet. Um, All right. For my man, PT, I'm Jake Roos. This has been another edition of Dog Walk Talk brought to you by Dogs HQ. Thanks for tuning in.